Welcome to Second Win, the podcast where we uncover the stories, methods, and modalities of women and men who have found their purpose while walking this earth. Sometimes they found their second win by accident, sometimes by hardship, and sometimes by intent. There is always something to learn from others and really isn't finding our own purpose what we are all looking for. I know I am. And that's why I'm hosting this very podcast. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. Welcome, Second Wind. I have a fabulous woman with us today. Her name's Laura McCann, and she owns and runs something called Adora Therapy. And I found these products, and I love them. And I had my own sort of chakra reading with Leah Beth Ledoux, who's been on the podcast two or three times now. And she had told me, yeah, your chakras are a little off. You need some help. You need to replenish them. And as it turns out, that's what Adora Therapy helps with and does. So we got to talking and got on the pre-interview and she's from Maplewood, New Jersey. She was there when I was there for a couple of years and knew the same things and we just hit it off. And then I found out that her shop is in Asheville, North Carolina. Funny story, I had to be in Asheville, North Carolina last weekend to help my daughter while she was at her friend's wedding with little baby Clara. And I said, oh my gosh, can we please come? Can we please do the, the chakra readings and all the stuff? And she and Jim treated us like royalty. And it was fabulous. My daughter and I both left there in awe. And we learned so much. And the, the information is easily digested. You explain everything so well. And spoiler alert, I ended up getting some things for my daughter-in-law's to be, one to be and one is. And for Christmas, stuff to help them. And they're having babies. I'm like, give me something to help them and realign them and the sacral chakra and all this stuff. And it was just really amazing. I cannot say enough good things about these products. And I'm just thrilled to have you on the podcast. So welcome, Laura McCann, to Second Win the Podcast. So great to be here. And boy, you do the best pre-interview. I wish we had done the recording of the pre-interview. And then I got an in-person kind of VIP intro. So I just feel like we must have some connection, right? We keep crossing and then we finally met and now we get to meet again. So this is fantastic. I'm so glad to be here today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And and I said to you something, something about, isn't this interesting that I'm going to be there and you're going to be there and you had been traveling, you're traveling before and you're traveling after. And, it, and I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. You're like, there's no such, such thing as coincidences. And, you know, there's something bigger at play here. And I said, yes, <laughs> I'm believing all that, all that stuff, but you have an interesting story and this is not something that came naturally to you. And I would love to sh have you share like your moment of your second wind of the trajectory, the thing that puts you on the trajectory to what you're doing now. Can you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I love that idea, second wind, because we're all about the breath. So I guess how I would explain it is I finally took a deep breath. And in that deep breath, I was able to open up to a reinvention. So I'd been living in New York City and in Maplewood and, you know, doing the whole 30 years of being a 
New Yorker commuting, the big career, the big job, the business, the entrepreneur thing. And um, I had an opportunity to leave New York, which I didn't think I could ever do because my kids were there. I have family there. And then, you know, like, where can you live other than there? It's so amazing. But my father, who's a little older, was living in Asheville. And I had part of my healing journey was to really reconnect in that relationship. So some of you may have that kind of thing where throughout my childhood, he was sort of in the background, but distant. My parents were divorced. And my father, if you can imagine this, like, I don't think I ever cooked a meal for my father because he never came to visit. And when we went to his house, you know, we visited him. And so the idea of like being nearby him in this later stage in life, I felt like I could get a massive healing from it. So at the time it was an adventure. We packed up, we moved here. And what I didn't know, and this is sort of like so amazing because I think about this a lot, especially now at my age, I'm in my late fifties is you really don't know what, what you're going to do next, right? It's a path and it unfolds. And if you're open to it, you can either go this way or this way. And maybe it all converges. I think it always ends up being like the best parts of you come together. But in that sort of leaving the path of, you know, the New York life and, and focusing on the business. And in this case, the business was running me. I had an opportunity to learn how to run the business. Okay. Okay. So... Yeah, it was, it, and it's an interesting story how you even got to this point of running the business because you started off in fashion way back. So give us an idea of Laura, who Laura is, to get you to this point of this completely different business from like fashion and, and you know, I look at the the models and the fashion and the stuff as kind of like ego, not really keeping us grounded, kind of in a totally, it's very material, very, you know, all this stereotypic, all this stuff we probably shouldn't be focused on. And yet you, that was your career, right? So give us a little bit of that. So you grew up in a, in a broken home. Yeah. Divorced parents. And, um, so part of my story, which I don't, I think we talked about this. So I started out as a child when my parents were going through whatever they were going through, they put me in an acting school. And it just so happened, I, I grew up in Miami, North Miami Beach. And in that acting school, the woman who ran it was like a professional, you know, theater person back in the day. So I literally went from taking classes at the age of seven to being on stage and even landing a movie role. So I had no idea I was going to grow up being an actress. And then when I, my parents divorced when I was around seven and a half, my mother decided to move the whole family to Paris because she wanted to be an artist. And she was concerned to raise three children alone in the U.S. back in the 70s. So I just had this incredibly unique childhood where we went on this adventure. And so, of course, like all that forms you. So I'm, you know, started out as a storyteller, I guess, and using myself to tell the stories having to learn how to adapt in really stressful and kind of uh, challenging situations like learning a new language, being in a different kind of school. And if you can imagine Paris in the 1970s was kind of like going back to 1942. I mean, it was really not modern. It was like right after the war and it was very much like the old Paris. They had the franc. They didn't even have the euro, right? 
So it was an amazing childhood. As a result, I did not spend a lot of time knowing my father except for holidays. And when I decided to go to college, I decided crazy instead of doing fashion design in France, which is what I chose to do because it wasn't really like you're a professional actress, you should continue. It was like acting is not a great career, go to college. And then you can act if you want. So it was sort of like, oh, that was a very interesting thing that I had to sort of have a different path, even though I was very successful in this early path. So I went to fashion school. I did well, let's do a little time out because you did, you landed some pretty cool roles. Like people may even recognize you. Can you share those? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I was in a movie called Limbo. It was in, done in the U.S. Limbo. I was the youngest daughter of Kathleen Nolan, who was famous back in those days. And the movie had like Kate Nolan. It had Kate Jackson, Stuart Margolin. So these are all 70s actors that were pretty famous. And it was directed by Mark Robeson, who directed The Valley of the Dolls. So it was a pretty big, you know, director. But it was about the Vietnam War. So it had like a tough challenge getting out there back in those days. And then I, when I moved to France, I was Catherine Deneuve's daughter in a movie, which was really cool. So that was like really fun. And then when I was 16, I scored a leading role in a movie called La Petite Sirene, which translates to The Little Mermaid. And it was a very French movie, would probably never get made here. It was about a 14-year-old girl who falls in love with a 40-year-old man and tries to reenact the story of The Little Mermaid, which is to give up her voice for love. And so that movie was really amazing. I was the lead role and, you know, went to all the film festivals. And so by the time I was 17, I'd had this really amazing childhood where I was already working and professional and it was, but it was all about me, right? It was all about me, how I looked, how I sounded, who I was. And I wasn't prepared for the challenges that that would offer around like, who am I and who am I really? And then also how can I really love myself and how can I feel good enough? And so that set up sort of like the background. And I think we all have this of like, how do I find my true voice and how do I find my confidence? And leading back to the Adora therapy story is like, how can I adore myself, which would be the biggest form of self-love and self-acceptance. And if you don't know why you're loved or why you matter, or if you're enough, that's a really hard journey. So, you know, everything on that, the entrepreneurship, all the things, they all layer onto sort of like working that out. So the second wind is really the adventure of falling in love with oneself exactly as we are versus doing the journey of being the image we think we are or what we need to be, and then really being able to integrate all of it ourselves within ourselves. Absolutely. So why, so you decided to go to college. Why then fashion? Why didn't you go back to acting? Was it? Yeah. Well, it wasn't really accepted. It was considered by my father to be an unacceptable adventure because it was risky and also maybe not a safe journey. And I, I don't blame him. I mean, I think it's really hard to be a young woman and be an actress. And back in those days, it was very different than it is today. My grandmother sewed and an artistic, creative family, you know, an entrepreneurial family. That's kind of how I grew up. So fashion seemed like a good fit. And so instead of staying in Paris, I went to Parsons, which was really fun <laughs> in New York and terrifying, absolutely terrifying. 
to move from Paris to New York in 1982. Huh. Yeah, I think I was like in New York going to like Club 54 and stuff. Yeah, about that time. Yeah. <laughs> the limelight. I mean, like all. Before it got crazy and before, and I didn't realize what was actually going on there because I was very naive. However, I digress. Keep going. So you're in New York. In New York, I went to Parsons and I was like in the range where Mark Jacobs, Michael Kors, Isaac Mizrahi. I think Isaac Mizrahi took me on my tour of Parsons when I visited with my dad and he was like who he was then. And it was like hysterical. You know, I think I took a year off in between after I moved there for that program, the fashion program at Parsons and was offered a big movie part that never ended up getting made, but it was for the movie, The Queen's Gambit, which was hysterical because it just came out last year and it was a great series, but I was offered the part to be that girl back in 1982 by like a really famous writer, Jesse Cornbluth. And then it fell apart. And then I had to go back and decide what I wanted to do. And I did decide to go back and finish Parsons and then stayed in New York for 30 years, worked in the fashion industry, never the seventh Avenue. I was more like a Broadway kind of girl. And which means I did schmatzas, not luxury fashion. <laughs> and I really liked the idea of making clothing that was affordable. And so as a designer, what informs me is a having an idea and then bringing that idea to life and understanding how to make something that wasn't there and start with the concept, do all the research, the trend, the understand how it is physically able to manifest and then to bring it to life. And so I use that in my journey as an entrepreneur. What I didn't really know at the time was that I actually, probably because of family and childhood I was really a leader. And so I had to figure out that I was a leader. Nobody said you could be a leader or that would be great to be a leader. Or so, and then as a woman, I had to figure out like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm leading and I don't know what that looks like. And there's no place for me to lead. And that really led me to become an entrepreneur in my late twenties. Okay. And then, so you left one company, right? Because you, you couldn't find that, that leadership that you were looking for. Yeah, you're not very employable when you're a natural leader. A lot of times it creates friction because, you know, they want people to follow. And sometimes if you can grow into a management role, then being a leader is accepted. But I do remember going on an interview in the Garment Center and the person said to me, why don't you just start your own company? And I was like, what? Like that just didn't resonate. It's like, I never thought of that. And then of course, along the way, I met someone who had a sales background. I was the design and it was like, you know, we created the show, right? Like we got together, we knew what we could do together. And then we started a business together. I was 28 at the time. So I started a company then, and then that company grew to be a very big company. We did private label product development for all the big retailers. So we worked with everybody, the limited, Victoria's Secret, Express, Lane Bryant, you know, Cato, like big and high and low, whatever. And it was a fun, amazing journey and it was successful very quickly. And so it allowed me to jump in and learn the skills of being a leader and an entrepreneur and a businesswoman or a business girl. Because I guess at that age, I was a business girl, not a businesswoman yet. <laughs> okay. So if it's successful and you're doing well, what happens next? What's, what's the next step? Yeah. So, you know, 
as things get successful, you get to learn what it is you're actually doing. Because a lot of times it's a baptism by fire. So I got involved in something called EO, YEO, the Young Entrepreneurs Organization. And that was a really amazing part of the journey because then all of a sudden you're surrounded by other entrepreneurs who are also CEOs, you know, less and fewer women, but there were women who were doing it. And this is back in like the early 90s. So the whole world was pivoting from 90 like to 2000 into technology. And so I was trying to solve a lot of the problems in my business. And in those days, you know, we just got computers, we just got cell phones, we just got email, we were using fax machines, right? And telex, things like that. So I went through that whole change and I was seeing what other entrepreneurs were doing with technology. And I thought, oh, wow, we really need this, but it doesn't exist. So I left that company, my partners took it over and I started a software company in 2000. And that software company was like, again, adjacent because it was focused on solving the problems of the fashion industry. And I spent 10 years building that business. And that's when I kind of moved from being a product person, doing a service business to building a software product and figuring out how to run a consulting firm, basically, because you have to implement your software. And back in those days, we were at the early stages of what they call SaaS, which is software as a solution. And so it was really, it was really interesting because it was the fashion industry, but it was no longer dealing with those buyers. You were dealing with the operations people, the CTOs of the company and things like that. But it was really fun. And I learned a lot of skills that I would need later on in life and was an early adopter of a lot of things that are digital marketing and digital technology and business and raising money and all that. And so that's really kept me, even though I'm a little older than the typical startup entrepreneur, kind of really honed in on sort of what you need to do these kinds of businesses today, because most of these businesses just require so much digital tech technology know-how. Right. And you were working your <laughs> yeah. butt off and you were, were you, this, did, were you married and did you have your children then? Yeah. So I, I had my, my first daughter, my daughter, who's getting married next week on 11-11 and she was one when I started my first business. So I was like 27, 28. So yeah, she was like one and a half. And so then I had my son three and a half years later. And so during this time I was living in New Jersey and commuting into the city and running a business with about 50, you know, employees and traveling all the time to the Far East and spending, you know, two, three months in Asia. And, you know, there was not really a conversation about like, this is hard or you can't do it. You, I did it and it was, it was great. But in retrospect, I have no idea how I did it because it was exhausting from an adrenal perspective. This was the beginning of me figuring out that I had basically worn myself exactly, out. Exactly. And that's a really key part because a lot of women will just push through. Like my daughter was sick every single day for her pregnancy and she was still on the tennis court, still teaching. She went back yeah. after, I mean, she was still doing stuff after her baby was born on the computer, but she actually went yeah. back three weeks later and started doing stuff and, you know, just push through, just push through. And now we're able to set a few boundaries. Cause I'm like, have you listened to my podcast lately? <laughs> you know, like you need to listen to women who've been there and done that and have learned that we need boundaries and we need to set our adrenals free. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like I still, I call it being solar plexi. And at the time I could have never explained that, but of course all the things that happened to my health were related to being bilious, right? So the idea of 
bile, right? Like bilious is like, I'm just so acidic and I'm just so like fight or flight and adrenal. It's just coming into the body. It feels like a superpower because it gives you energy. It gives you like, you know, a desire to get things done. And that's very exciting. And then the thing you don't realize is it's going to, you know, it, it, you expire from it. It's just not sustainable unless some people actually can handle their energy that way. And that's one of the things I've learned with our aura readings is if you have like more of a yellow analytical vibration and you're more feeling into that part of your physical body versus being maybe more, more spiritual or a higher energy, you're going to wear yourself out. So I did that, you know, like we were talking how you're wearing purple today. I always knew I was a spiritual being and that I had a deeper soul, but I was so right and left brain that I just knew that I could be as athletic myself, push myself. Right. So is this when you realize like, like the body keeps score, right? That's what I've learned. And through everybody that's been on the podcast and everything in April, the healer, like the nights that you don't sleep, the times that you push yourself to the limit, your body's like, okay, tick. Right. And you were having that. And didn't you end up like having some gallbladder? Yeah. I was fine for a long time. Yeah. You can ride the wave for a while. Yeah. I, you know, it was tough on my relationship. So I did have a first marriage. And then I was like a single mom in New York City. And I, you know, one of the things that was killing me is commuting back and forth to New Jersey. At the time I lived in Montclair. So it was like an hour each way, you know, and there's things that happen. Like, you know, my kids were in New Jersey and I was in New York and, you know, you got to get back. So always feeling like that feeling, like, how do you be in two places at once? And then being, I was very good. I like, I really got this clear message. Like at the time, my, my business partner was a, a gay man who didn't have children. And he was sort of like, if we're equal, then you're here and I'm here. And of course, you know, he had no kids and he lived in New York City. And so I took that to, I was like, okay, I got to be here. And if it starts to feel like I make exceptions for myself because I'm a mother, then it's not equal. So I, I led that life. It's like, I got to be here. I got to show up. Yeah. You think it's not a good look. It's not a good look. You know, on a class and the woman's kid cried and she like said, I'll be right back. And she left like that would be unthinkable, you know, back in those days. It's just like nobody even knew that you had kids or cared because you had to show up like I'm I'm not that person. I think it's so much better today for the moms. They have other issues which we can unpack later. But yeah. So the solar plexi thing led me to have an issue with my gallbladder, which was very difficult to diagnose. And so it ended up actually taking me out of commission for a year and a half, basically have called HABA syndrome. And HABA syndrome is an overactive gallbladder. And the result is, is that you have no control over your bowel movements. So if you can imagine all of a sudden, like you just don't know if you need a bathroom and we're not talking number one, we're talking number two, like you have no control. So it was a really great way to basically take any sense that I had control away. So it was very literal, you know, like the things I think we do to ourselves are very literal. In this case, I had no control. And so it meant that I had to surrender. And then that surrender turned into like, well, how do I heal my physical body? So the good news is we figured out how to do that. But then when I moved to Asheville and I started doing more woo-woo kind of healing, 
And not because I wasn't open to it, just because Asheville has more integrative medicine and more practitioners and they're, it's more like accepted in this part of the culture here. I was able to uncover more of like, well, how did that happen? And it wasn't just the psychological or the physical. Like now what I was doing is I was learning more about my energetic self. And like, I, ha I have goosebumps even saying that, like, I really didn't know there was an energetic self. So I wasn't taking care of her. And that's where I really learned how to heal myself. And then that journey became something that presented itself as a business opportunity to, it seemed like at first it was just a business opportunity to introduce aromatherapy to people like me who are, somebody said this to me the other day, woo adjacent, which means they're not into the woo or, you know, not, you know, the, just like I woo woo. I was woo woo, but it wasn't like comfortable being all the way woo woo. So what I was in that process of understanding what we were doing and I had to understand vibrational energy and integrative medicine and healing modalities that were more energetic and woo woo. I was like, oh, there is something here, but you know, some of us will not go there because it's packaged in a way that's just like, I'm never going to get past my fashionista or, you know, New York savvy kind of style. Like that's just, I'm not going to buy my stuff on Etsy, right? Like that sounds cool, but like, that's not a brand. So it became an opportunity to understand how to build a brand, which is something I always wanted to do and create products and tell the story of how to heal yourself. And then it all kind of converged and it all happened because I came to Asheville and I thought my journey was to get closer to my father, but my journey was really to remember how to adore myself. And so I did need to be closer to him to have part of that healing, but none of this was a hundred percent visible to me. So <laughs> it's, it's very clear to me now, but back in, back then I was just sort of following my instinct, my intuition. So really you being down and out for a year plus was when you were able to sit back long enough in the seat of your soul, so to speak, to, to understand that I've got to find different ways to be really. I mean, when you say, and that kind of opens you up to the possibilities of all the things that you embarked upon. Yeah. I didn't have the language right away, right? The language really came later. and you know, initially in this business, I didn't own the business idea in the sense that I was there at the beginning of the business. I created the business with my co-founder and we ideated everything from the name to the product names to what the business was. And we had, you know, really great smart people who did consumer product brands help us excavate the meaning of it. But it was not, it didn't work in the first few years. Like it didn't hit the target. It did a little bit, but it didn't hit the target. And part of the reason why is because I hadn't yet figured out my piece of that story. At the beginning, it was her story and her story was very woo-woo and the woo-woo part didn't, it didn't fit. And so like, it was sort of an interesting- Right, weren't aligned. Yeah, it's like a realignment of who, who could own the story to tell the story in the right way. Well, wait, Laura, didn't you, didn't you find this, if I'm right, didn't you find this whole opportunity like at a birthday party or something? Totally. Like, you know, that's the thing, everybody out there, like 
just, you don't know where you're going to meet anybody, right? The love of your life, a business partner, a friend, money that you may be raising, whatever it is. A friend of mine invited me to a birthday party of a friend of mine who I had introduced them and they stayed friends. And that was always the funny part, right? When you're a mom, everybody else has time and can get together. And then you introduce all these great people and then you find out they're all friends because they didn't have kids all hung out together, right? You're like, you've been friends for three years. I didn't know. I remember introducing you, but I didn't know you stayed friends because you're never able to go to anything. So in this case, I went to the party and, uh, you know, and I met at the time my, my co-founder and then that turned into a mentorship and, uh, and, you know, a relationship where I was doing investing and helping and doing different services and then helping take the new business idea that we created together to the next level. But it was always, first, it was a great relationship, like a lot of relationships. And the end, it ended up being a failed partnership, which is something that happens often. And it's hard to talk about those with respect to everybody. And that failed partnership really put me in the position of having to, you know, lick my wounds and figure out what had happened and the why of it, and then the what of it, and then the what's next of it. And in that process, I was able to really find my my identity with in relationship to what we're doing. And as you know, because you came to the store, my partner, so I met Jim, my, my life partner, he's also in the business and is doing the aura readings. He's our chief aura therapist. I had no idea Jim would end up in the business. But so what, what happened is as it reshuffled, I was able to bring the person who was outside of the business into the business and he's thriving and it gave the business a different texture, let's say, where it's now something we can do in relationship and we each have our piece of it. So we're independent, but yet very, you know, in sync. And that has been a completely different way of being in partnership. So, you know, I do think one of the things I have to heal through all of my business journeys is the partnership piece. It's very tricky and very hard one to figure out. And so I'm sure there's lots of stories people don't tell about that, but it's very, it's very tricky because a partnership in business is very much like a marriage, but without all the other benefits. <laughs> it's like business without benefits. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and you kind of decided I'm going to take this company over and you bought this other person out and you had it. You were on like all kinds of levels with this person because you, isn't this the person you took in, which really created your need to help single moms? Yeah. You know, when I had to, it's a hard, I haven't talked about this anywhere. So this is really maybe challenging, maybe not, but, you know, to share and unpack it, you know, sometimes we have poor boundaries. I think I'm a compassionate person and an empath. So this is another aspect of myself that I had had to really understand and learn. And so I, I found that my partner needed a place to run away to after a bad marriage and came to Asheville and said, I think I want to move here. And it seemed like a very, at the time, like, of course, why not? But what I didn't realize is I'd have a, a business partner with two young children, no partner and a tough financial situation. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was going to be kind of taking, taking that whole relationship in at a different level. So it didn't feel like that at the beginning. It felt like, okay, there's balance, but it quickly became very imbalanced and very hard. And 
especially when you have different needs or you're at a different place in your life. I'm much older and, you know, had had the ability to be in a startup and kind of go through the hard times. And then the other person has no resources to go through the hard times, either emotional or friends or, you know, so it, it became a lot. So the imbalance created a lot of challenges. And in the end, it, it we ended and parted our ways. It's not completely over. We're still in different power struggles and we'll see how it all plays out. Maybe one day I'll write a book about it. But, you know, to respect everybody's privacy, all I'd say is that you just, you learn from your struggles and your struggles are very real. And in the way, they're also an illusion because they're about you, but they're about other people. And the, the thing that I had to, again, go back to is what are my boundaries? And then this gave me a chance to really look at the fact that I had very porous boundaries and I really didn't even know what the word meant. And I had to rethink what it means to be safe for me in terms of every kind of relationship, you know, especially relationships around business and around money. Right. And and then everything, you know, you and I said, well, gosh, everything seems to happen for a reason. We just don't know what that is when we're in it. It's when we can sit back and, and take, you know, a moment to reflect that it starts to make sense that here's a lesson you needed to learn about boundaries and what that looked like for you and, and the health of yourself in that. Yeah. I mean, I, I learned early on the word accountability and I took it very seriously. And accountability is really, you know, about saying if it's to be, it's up to me, right? There's nobody else to look at. You can't be a victim. There's no victim voice in, in this. But if you don't allow yourself to scream out loud all the things you feel about how you are a victim, you never heal. So you do have to sort of be able to put that feeling out there and say, yeah, this all hurts and this wasn't true and this is painful and this sucks. And yes, it feels like this other person is how that happened. But then in truth, that's just, again, like an illusion. The unpacking of that is I created it up to a point and I will now think about what possibility I'm going to create to move forward from it. Versus staying in the conversation of being a victim, which does not ever give you power, right? So choosing empowered instead of disempowered. And that that's something I learned very early on. So I got to, to learn that over and over again, just in case I didn't learn it. <laughs> yeah, obviously your soul needed work on that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it, again, comes from this relationship, which, you know, again, this is something that I, I've done therapy and I've done work on myself and I've done everything from landmark forum to things called, you know, life spring. I'm watching this really crazy series now about this cult called the vow, you know, and you see all these people who are in a conversation about personal development and human potential. And so I did a lot of that work in my twenties and thirties. And so it was very informing, but it also was incomplete. You know, it was sort of like at, in that time of my life, I didn't have the background and context I have today being a mother, having been married, having had businesses. I was very young when I started that journey. So it helped me get very far, but it left me kind of like on a tree hanging from a cliff, you know, with one foot like that. And it's sort of like, I don't know if I'm falling or if I'm going to get back up. And so it felt like life was very much like high, high, low, low. It was like that. I had to, was not able to get like that nice flat line. 
so I could say now I definitely feel like if you thought of an EKG, it's more like this. It's not like this and like this. But part of getting to that place was having, knowing what it felt like to be here or here. You know, with that, I wouldn't know the difference. And I knew I couldn't do that much longer. It was just exhausting and also very painful for me and others, I guess. And part of it, you know, what I was getting to is it, it all ended up being this sort of conversation, am I worthy? And then you're asking yourself, like, worthy to who? And then you you don't know, but it's deeper than that. And worthy to who always seemed to be worthy to my father. And it was like very subtle. Like I didn't understand that it was that powerful and that divisive within me, but it was very much the conversation. And part of that was why I said, let's come here and see if when I'm here and I can see this man and spend time with him and he can see me as a person instead of as a phone call or somebody he has to give something to or do something for, then maybe we can rebuild what a real relationship is with a parent and heal that relationship. But I think most of us are acting out a dynamic that's some trauma from our childhood that has to do with one or both parents. <laughs> At least I've Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I've observed that with other people, all their drama seems to come from these small inflection points when we were younger that we haven't resolved around am I loved? Am I enough? Am I whatever? I agree a hundred percent with that. I think everybody can relate to that on some level. I think it's true for everyone. So how do you get into the oils, the scents, the things? How do you, you're brought to it from your co-partner then. And from what you told me, she kind of wanted to go into a different way with it. That wasn't, that you could not see being sustainable as far as moving the business forward, as far as financial gains and getting it. You wanted to get it into as many hands as possible to help people rather than keep it small and condensed is what I got out of that conversation. Yeah. It wasn't so much that it was small and condensed. It's like, I, I think today we, there's so many beauty brands, right? Indie beauty brands, let's call them young brands that come from a problem someone had, and then they created a solution and they're like, Ooh, I think the world needs this. That's great. It's just much harder than that. It really requires a ton of money it requires amazing set of skill sets around marketing, sales, manufacturing, sourcing, business, finance. And so, you know, I had a lot of those skills and my partner had an idea and was really an incredible person. I mean, they created these amazing products that we still sell and people love them and they're beloved, but it's just not enough. And so, you know, Part of the unpacking of this was certainly some ego things around who is doing the business stuff. And then again, this idea that somebody who's doing all that and also doing the money piece and doing a lot of the work is supporting somebody else and letting them be the platform. And it was sort of like, that wasn't my goal in life is to, <laughs> to turn somebody else. I'm not taking care of somebody else. And it felt like I, I couldn't ever stop if I continued. So created issues. And then, you know, that broke us up. And then on the other side of it, they now have a very successful platform where they get to go very woo in the language and do what they're best at. And, you know, one of the things that I'll just say, because, you know, this person might be listening or other people might be listening in the deconstructing of that relationship, I feel like I was very respectful. 
I did not take away their stock. I took on all the debt of the business. I decided I would un, you know, shovel myself out. And all I and I never said you can't do this, which is what you do. And I said, go heal yourself. You have things that you need to do. And I let you do that. And like that was it. And then, you know, I thought we could stay in our lanes and we could each do the thing and that that would have the person respect anything I did to keep it going. It didn't work out that way. There's still a lot of ego there and a lot of business and legal challenges around having made those decisions. So I'm still working through that, which is, again, another lesson. But on the other side of it, I'm really clear that I, I was very respectful. And I still, I still feel that I am. And so, you know, part of it is, again, if we have trauma, we bring our trauma to everything. So I feel like I'm, I'm healed in my trauma and that I'm happy for somebody to be as successful as they can be. I would hope they would want me to be as well. And there's enough for everybody, but that's not always the case. You know, the ego can be very challenging and strong and take us on a journey of proving someone's right or wrong. That's always very, very hard to do. But so we have these beautiful products and the thing was, is how do you get people to buy them? And that's still the challenge. It's not an obvious thing. So one of the, yeah, tell me about, tell us about the products. Like, did you start using the essential oils and all this stuff ahead of time and then say, Ooh, like this is working. This is something I need. to. No, at the beginning I was given products and there were, was a chakra oil product line. And I remember looking at it and smelling them and saying they smell great and being like, I love the colors. And then they sat there and I had no idea what to do with them. And gathered, even though, and even when I was in the business initially, I was like, okay, I'll use them. But it was not like something I understood how to integrate into my daily living. So, and then because this person used them in their healing, to them, it was their tool for adding to the healing but then how do you teach that to other people? So I think that was a disconnect. So that the shift I think that I've made that I think is why the business is working now is I am not the healer. I am maybe at best a life coach in a bottle. What I want is to teach you how to heal yourself and empower you. And so my job is to be a good translator, a good packaging designer, a good experience designer within the store or online so that you figure out what it is you need, because then you can do this. And I'm not there. You've got to do it. You've got to do the affirmation. You got to do the breath. You got to pick the thing you want to work on. And then you got to do it every day or it doesn't change anything. So that's the journey I'm on. And that's very different than I'm a guru or follow me, or I'm going to do it for you. And I think that was, it's very subtle. And if I wasn't the brand owner, it could have gone the other way and somebody could have found another way. But for me, that's what's making an impact. And then adding Jim and the aura readings to this, where we now have data, right? Because it's very interesting. If you go to a Reiki person and they say, oh, your chakras are this and that. And you're like, okay, maybe that's true. I feel it. I don't feel it. It's not hard. If you say you have a stomach ache, they'll say, oh, your sacral's blocked. And you're like, well, it's like a fortune teller. Did I, did they know that? Did they feel it? Did I say it? And they're just repeating it. This is, we use software to do an aura reading and it shows your chakras. And the software is very accurate. We've done several thousand and pretty much a mind blowing that how, what it picks up. And so the data we can say, okay, now let's show you what you could do. 
And that's very different than me saying like, I'm so intuitive that I'm going to prescribe the thing for you. And I think that's, that's the part where we're woo woo adjacent. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love how you say that because yeah, my daughter is open to things, but she's definitely not. She's like, oh yeah, here you go again, mom. But she, she saw it. She understood it. She, it was explainable to her very logical mind and it has made a difference. And even if you can't get to the brick and mortar store, you're able to chat with people on the website and help them. So if you do have a chakra reading, I'm not a chakra reading, but if like you go to a a Reiki healer, you go somewhere and somebody says, yeah, your solar plexus is blocked. This is not right. This is off. This is depleted. You can turn, you can hand that information to you and you're going to say, okay, here's what I recommend based on the information you're giving me. And then people can then apply that and work with within that, right? Let's say essential oils, the reason why they work. So, and I'm not going to say aromatherapy. So the aromatherapy is sort of blending or essential oils, but a traditional aromatherapist usually will use two or three oils. So what's unique about these products is they sometimes have seven or eight oils. So they're harder to make. And then if you blend oils, they don't always smell good if you don't know how to do that. So this is the mastery that this person had that was really fantastic is they create things that smell really good and they're all different. And so it's much more like aroma perfumery, which doesn't really exist. It's not something that you can even explain to somebody and they know, yeah, I know what you're talking about because it's much more like perfume, but it is aromatherapy. So it's healing. It has benefits that go beyond perfume it's vibrational. So that's the piece that's key around essential oils is introducing something vibrational and essential oils have a frequency, you know, scientifically, if you did something with, you know, how to measure that, you could see that they're vibrational and that's, what's having them have the effect on you. Now, the thing that makes it work, it's like, you can put your, have a car, it's not going to go, you add gas. So that's like, you're the car, the gas is the essential oils. You still have to turn the key not going anywhere. Turning the key is your breath, putting it on your skin, taking the breath, having the affirmation, and then you can steer. It's like a car. Where do you want to go? I want to feel more focused. I want to feel more vibrant. I want to feel more alive. I want to feel more intuitive. Boom. Now you have a toolkit. You can go on your journey and you know that you, we've got you and you've got you. You can do that thing that you're looking to do. And that little tweak, just 1% tweak every day, consciousness, you desiring to be your best self that's the leverage that we all need to adore ourselves. So that's kind of the way I think of the business now. And, you know, some people could say, well, I can heal with energy, somebody doing Reiki. Yeah, absolutely. I can do acupuncture. Absolutely. I can meditate and pray. Absolutely. The difference is, is when you have something that you can smell, right. And you breathe it in and you just take that moment, right. That moment, that's a different moment than the brain saying, do that. That moment, your limbic brain's connecting with your other aspects of your conscious and subconsciousness. There's a, a something going on. I'll call it magical, but it's all about matching vibration and intention. And not only that, but let's talk just for a second, since you used the word perfume, perfumes that you get, things that are scented, freaking the bounce dryer sheets, the Febreze, all the stuff, the plugins, the stuff that makes everything smell better. This stuff disrupts our endocrine system, 
our hormones, they actually can cause us to gain weight by messing with us, with our whole biosphere, for lack of a better way to explain it. And what I love is, you know, sometimes because, you know, I live here on a farm and I've got all these animals and sometimes I just think, well, maybe I should have something so that I don't smell like I just came from the farm. And it's like, you know, I'm putting on something that's helping fill me, but it also smells good. And every time I give somebody a hug, since I started using your products and I I have a little one, the little drive one in my car. So as I'm driving, I'm just, you know, putting it on, smelling. and. Everywhere I go, if I give somebody a hug, which I do all the time, they're like, oh, you smell good. I'm like, really? Yeah, that's, that's this. You're going to have to get So let's talk about the process because I went, and this is what I ended up with when I sat with Jim and I was really shocked because my daughter and I were completely different colors and it changes. It's, you're never really the same person. Like they say, when you go on the yoga mat, every time you hit the yoga mat, you're hitting it differently. Right. So talk about this a little bit, girlfriend. Yeah. So we didn't invent this software. It's a 3D cloud software. It's called Aura Cloud. It was developed in a research lab and that it was designed to try to understand how people's frequency has speaks to what's going on with them. And instead of looking at like just a physical thing, they were really trying to understand body, mind, and spirit, right? So there's the different layers. And so one of the things they did is, you know, this is a simulation of the colors that a psychic might see, but they interviewed hundreds of psychics while they were capturing the data. And then they made all the correlations of that, what they saw with what the results were in the you know, you use a scanner, so it's picking up all kinds of biometric information. It's like an EKG, but it was very chaotic. There aren't a lot of software products that can read a chaotic pattern. So that's why there's a 14-page report. There's a photo. What the photo of you shows is that you have at the top of your head a color. You can see the sides. What you can't see is there's also a bottom color and a scent color, right? Which got sent to me. So I have all that information, right? In the report, it shows you that. But what it shows is you're unique, right? And that your vibration, this is what we call a healer kind of personality with this sort of connected to something more divine, a higher power, but then this compassionate energy. And then you probably have some blue in there and some indigo, which is like a spiritual energy. And so this is just talking about the aura. Think of it as how people perceive you, you know, how they say, what's your vibe? You come across, and I'm sure many people who know you will say, she is a healer, she's a helper, she's very spiritual, she's very compassionate, she's very inspiring, you know, she's got this calm thing where you feel like she knows that she's here for a reason. That's what it would say. Your daughters, I think, have yellow and blue, right? More analytical, more kind of in the physical energy. And then we looked at it, she just had a baby. So she's literally like, the brain is going, keep this baby safe. The throat is going, okay, I have to give lots of directions to make sure I get what I need. There's still the green, which is the compassion piece. Very different. Now, usually our auras don't change. They can change. They change if there's a big change in our life. The chakras do change, although the chakras kind of can be very high, very low. And there's like, they can be also mid range. So what we look for with the pattern of the chakras is, 
is there anything that's really low? Is there anything that's very high? There's also oh, a Z- okay. So the chakras are the things that yeah change that. So you're saying that this this aura would pretty much if I went the next day or a week or a month later, it would still kind of be the same. Same, yeah, yeah. Now uh, Jim and I our auras like every three months or so. We don't overdo it. His stays very consistently the same. Mine stays somewhat the same. Mine can really change when I am in complete business mode. Like I can go from spiritual to like completely analytical and obsessed. And it's literally because like, I can tell you that how it feels. It feels like a completely different person. It feels that solar plexi energy where it's like everything is about doing and focus and getting it done. That's the thing that matters the most versus when I'm healing people and I'm doing more spiritual work and more like in my zone and then it's I'm purple and blue and you know that makes complete sense so most people though like let's say you started doing yoga or meditating and you were already this color you might turn more into purples and blues and there wouldn't be any more of the green it would go away because you would be ascending into kind of the higher colors but most people yeah it stays the chakras that's a whole other story they go up and down with some patterns that are very much, let's think of it as a default setting. So have a health issue and, or you know you have a place where you hold your energy until you feel that you worked on that and it's not there anymore. It's probably gonna always be that way. Right, work in progress. What's really interesting too is we did this on Friday afternoon and then Friday, Saturday morning, the girls had to go to a breakfast and my dear friend, who's the mother of the bride, came to get the girls on the big bus and she got out and I gave her a big hug and I'm like, go mom, you've got this. Have fun at this wedding. Do not think about anything. You've done all the work. She goes her way. I go my way. She sends me a text later. And I think I told you about this when I saw you later was the thing that she said to me was, I needed that hug. You filled me up. And I needed that so badly. I don't know how you did it, but you filled me up. And I go, oh, that's because that's what you said. And I, and I came back to the store with the baby later and I go, oh my God. And I didn't even realize, I really didn't think, you know, people, people I talk to say, yeah, you're very spiritual. You're like right on the precipice of being there and, and getting there. And I'm like, really? I want to be, but I just feel like I'm blocked. So maybe, yeah. maybe no, you're not. the greens I need to work on. Yeah. And I, you have your chakras. So if you recall, maybe one or two were low. Was it your sacral that was low? Maybe I forget. I can't remember. I got the, so if I hold up, so I got this one. Yeah. Okay. So your throat. So you had been working on your throat, which is your ability to share and communicate. And obviously you're doing the podcast and you're helping people and you're teaching people. So you have the big throat, but sometimes we need to support things that we use a lot because it can be very tiring, right? So that would have been your your lower ones. But yeah, it, who we are and how we show up in the world is our vibration. And so if you think about the responsibility that you have to be more in balance and in alignment, it's part of the healing. A lot of people are like, oh, I need this vitamin or my gut biome or my hair. <laughs> you know, we deal with things that are like, they're important. I need good skin, less wrinkles, collagen, you know, whatever. I need to be healthy. I need to eat well. I need to get my exercise. I need to do my meditation and all that. But that is 
the reason why would be different than maybe what you think. It's not just because you want to look good or feel good. You want to be in your best vibration for who you are. So it's alignment. And we know when we're not in alignment because what happens? We have issues. We have things that keep happening. It comes from where we hold energy and the energy is blocked and doesn't flow. So I was on medication for eight years with this HABA syndrome. And of course, I tried things like my diet. I Everybody was always like, less stress, less stress. And you're kind of like, you want to give them the finger and be like, yeah, like Dude. exactly. Live a day in my shoes, right? Tell me I can do less stress. So you, you're like, okay, let's see what that's like. So for me, it's been... I don't meditate. I, I do prayer and gratitude and I do visualizations. I have my mantras and my things and I do a lot of aromatherapy and a lot of breathing every day. And I understand where I hold energy. And so I can feel when I'm out of balance. And so the work I do now is to really feel when I hold energy. And so some of the things that I still do to help me with my own healing have to do with more of the subconscious layer. So I've been doing things like hypnosis, which was something I waited a very long time to do because where I felt that I didn't have the yet the ability to stop certain conversations is that there are things that are very deeply embedded in my subconscious that are connections that have been made. And it's just like, why don't we just stop them? And I have to say that that's been a very successful way to take the healing to the next level. Otherwise, Everything is about rewiring my nervous system and my nervous system is driven by my thoughts and my thoughts are driven by having the right thoughts or the wrong thoughts. And so I want to replace the things that don't serve me, which means that I'm constantly doing the work of, you know, being my best self, which means understanding the stories I tell myself about myself and interrupting them when they're anything but loving. (laughs) There's no room for you're not enough. It is the destroyer of all vibrations. Right. And actually taking a minute to use this or any of the products actually gives you a second to rethink, rewire, re reframe whatever it is you're doing. Habits are microseconds of neurological reconnections. So as long as you're, you know, that's why I always like to say, if you think you need to work out for 30 minutes or meditate for 30 minutes, or, you know, do prayer or gratitude for 30 minutes. And then you're like, I can't do it. And then you say, okay, I'll do 10 minutes. And then your whole attitude is like, it's so hard. I can't do it, but I'm doing it. But like, you're already in the wrong place. So the whole thing is like a second, like a breath and you did it and you can check it off and say, I did it. I'm amazing. That is on yourself. So we're going to give you that. And then you can take that with you. And if you want to spend time doing the other things, you add them in, but there's no, it's not enough. There's always enough. It's just, you have to stop being hard on yourself and a perfectionist and thinking that it looks a certain way. It looks no way, except the way that you invent it. You're the movie maker, make the movie. The movie that you want to make is that it's easy. It's simple. I can do it anytime, anywhere. I can do it in one breath. And when I do it, everything's amazing. And I can trust myself that I'm going to have the outcome I want. That's the movie that I want to create. Oh, I love that. So for the the average person listening, who's like, hmm, this Adora therapy sounds interesting to me. Well, how do they find you? What are they expecting? What what should they expect? And and how does that work for the average person? 
yeah, if you can't get to the store and you go online to adoretherapy.com, which is our website, there's a lot of different ways that you can shop. You can start with a quiz. So there's a quiz on the website. It's a simple quiz. It's going to ask you four or five questions and it's going to target one chakra. So you can start with one chakra. If you want to try, let's say it's your root chakra that comes up and you're like, okay, you can buy a product for your root chakra. It'll give you some choices right there in an email reply, or you can go to our website and you can shop by chakra. You could also shop by mood, which would be like, do you want to feel energetic? Do you want to feel calm and relaxed? You can shop that way. You can also shop by product category because we make sprays and room boosts, which are body and room sprays. We make aroma perfume. Yeah, like Alchemy is the collection that's our aroma perfume and there's body care. Our Chakra Spice collection is our popular collection, which is the one you had. And that one has a rollerball. This is the purest of the pure because it's just organic jojoba and organic oils. And then you start there. Now, if you don't want to, if you don't know what you want and you're like, I don't know, well, we have a solution for you. We have a kit and the kit has all seven and it's a great deal. And it has affirmation cards that tell you all the things that you might want to do and all the things that you might want to So we give you an affirmation for each chakra. And then this becomes a way to sort of test yourself. So what we do in the store, and you saw that is because the oils are very vibrational, we do what we call like muscle testing, but we're testing with your nose. You smell each one and you kind of on a scale of like one to five, can you smell it? Do you like it? Is it smelling like a strong smell or you can't smell it? It's faint. Often the things you can't smell, the things that are faint or the things you don't like are the things you need. So then that would be a good way of self-diagnosing and then you can start working. Obviously, everybody's intuitive. And if your third eye is open or if you start using our third eye product or you just start to ask yourself, what do I need? You can create a zillion different versions of a ritual with a pack of seven and start working on all different chakras. And they all have names. So if you look at the names, that would be kind of what you want. So let's say you're working on your sacral, that would be creativity or blissful. You'd be asking for more of that. Let's say you're working on your root, it might be vitality or passion. That's what you would be asking for. If you need to calm down and kind of let go, then tranquility or clarity or serene. So everything is named in a way that you can sort of guide yourself through like, what is it that you want to feel? And then you do the work and the work is find a time in your day, a daily ritual. It could be in the morning as you're getting ready. It could be at your desk while you're working. It could be at the end of the day when you get in your car after helping other people at work and you take your breath and you have your intention. And then you just start on that path of a healing journey that you're the healer. And that's what we want you to learn. And then we'll just keep making beautiful high quality vibrational products that are affordable because that's a big part of our mission also. It is affordable. It was surprising. My daughter's like, I'm like, let me get this for you because I'm your mom and that's what I'm supposed to do. And she's like, oh, I can't have you spend all this money on me because it looks like, you know, you're spending a hundred bucks. You're not. It is so affordable. I bought so much stuff and had no guilt, zero guilt. And got some candles and you even have candles, which I thought was really cool. Candles that you burn that give you the scent, but then it turns into lotion. Mm, yeah, we have that. Zero wing. Yeah. And it's like delightful, delightful. 
we want you to get your oils on any way you can. So let's say you love this scent, which has frankincense, tulsi, and myrrh. It's called uh, Clarity. Well, let's say you use this all the time and you love it, but then you might want to use it in a different way than here on your pulse points or on your neck. We have a lotion. We have a candle that you melt that can become a massage oil. You know, we have bath soaks with some of them. We try to put the oils in as many of the products as we can. The candles, of course, are not going to be as vibrational because we do not use essential oils in the candles, but the candles are all about color because color is also a vibrational frequency. So the box is designed to have the colors of the chakra. So if you look at the colors, that also has an impact on how you feel. The candles can also have a color. So, and they have a scent and then they all have the affirmation. So the idea is that you use this in also a centering kind of ritual, you know, meditation, you can look at the flame, whatever it is that you do with a candle. A lot of people use candles as a room scent to smell good, which is great. But the idea of a candle actually being a healing product that can help you with either your affirmation, your meditation, things like that. And that's why we do put flowers and crystals and things in the candles to make them more amplifying. Kind of part of a, of a ritual. And that's what, you know, I'm working with a gal who's going to be on the podcast about our cyclical energy and how to harness that. And part of it is having a ritual. And I'm using one of the sprays. I couldn't tell you which one. It's a little pinky purple one. And I've been spraying my pillow since I got home from North Carolina before I go to bed. I've been sleeping so well. I can't even, and I, and I forget that that's what I'm doing. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm dreaming more vividly, crazy stuff. And it, and it's only been like three nights. That's yeah. Listen, anything scent related helps us through the limbic brain, which is a part of the brain that ties things to memory. So if you make a strong connection with your intention, I'm spraying this because I want to sleep better and I'm going to breathe it in and smell it, then your brain heard the message. And it's amazing. Again, like I said, adoring yourself is taking the conversations that are through this subconscious voice that you don't think you control and replacing it with the voice that you are the one giving the script to yourself. So if you're, yeah, you're saying, I intend well, I am going to spray this, do this. My intention is to sleep and this is how I'm going to do it, your your body listens to you, but your body also listens to you when you go, I'm stressed, I have no control, I, you know, my life is this. And you know, a lot of people are trained to speak in the negative and to share the the bullshit stories, sorry, that we tell ourselves where we have no accountability and we're victims. And so there's a lot of layers of this where yeah, you still have to do the work to be your best self, whatever language or new language you need to learn. But if you're not learning it and you just do these little things, it'll still work because we hear ourselves, the conscious and the spoken and also the unspoken and the unconscious. So Laura, how do people find your amazing products? So go to adoratherapy.com and you can, yep, subscribe, get on our email list. We have a lot of really great things coming up for the whole holiday season with discounts and offers for Black Friday and Small Business Saturday and Cyber Monday and all that. And there'll be discount codes. So sign up and get on the mailing list. You can also follow us on Instagram and we're at Dora Therapy, TikTok also. 
So we're trying to do a lot of things to educate you and entertain you on the social media platforms, but you can also shop. And then we're going to be doing some live events. So if you get on our email list, you'll be invited to events where we'll be able to answer questions and also walk through products and explain them more. So that'll be fun. That's a new thing. And then on our website, there's a little shopping. It looks like a little shopping bag. If you click on that, you we have like a VIP concierge customer service where you can ask us questions and we can help you find the right products online. And, you know, just reach out through email or through the website. We're there to help you find the right products for you. And there's a lot of choices. We're a small company, but we have different price ranges, sampling, big sizes, little sizes, sprays, roll-ons. So there's lots of choices, which could be a little intimidating, but the desire there is to give you what you want, how you want it, and not have any resistance because we've only done it in one way. <laughs> That's me trying to be a pleaser and having poor boundaries, but <laughs> I also love product and packaging and making sure everything is there that people want and have asked for. And Laura, something really cool that you're offering Second Win listeners, do share. Yeah. So we created a discount code for you. It's 25% off of any purchase on the website. And so you'll have fun shopping. It's going to be available when you hear this podcast, if you listen through to the end. So, and then we'll keep it there for you until about December 8th or 9th. So that if you want to get something shipped before the holidays, um, that's kind of the cutoff of when we'll be able to get it to you. So you have some time. And then that way you can also reach out. There's lots of blogs on the website you can read about chakras, but feel free to reach out to us on the website or at hello at Adora Therapy, and we can help you figure out what to do. So the code is all caps, second wind 25. So second wind 25, and that'll give you 25% off when you get to the checkout in the shopping cart. That is huge because I don't even know how you're going to make any money because that's a lot. <laughs> and then I have a question. You. So what keeps you going every day? Do you have a mantra? I know you do work, but is there something that like, I mean, we all have those days. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think what keeps me going is that I see, I see like something and I'm very much drawn towards the reaching the something. And so, you know, entrepreneurs are like athletes. We have certain muscles that we've worked on for, to get to the place where you can tolerate the, the risk benefit reward of being an entrepreneur. And for me, that is that I feel like if I'm uh, figuring this out, then success can look like whatever success looks like for me. And right now what success looks like for me is seeing my vision come to life, meeting all the people that I get to meet, and then learning, continuing to learn how to make myself be and not do and calibrate my being and my doing. And so as soon as I'm out of uh, balance and I'm doing and not being, I know that I'm off. <laughs> and this business allows me to stay in that conversation with myself around being. I know I'm a doing person, that's my nature. So like a scorpion, I'm not gonna change, but the being part really takes it to the next level for me. And that's uh, that's a life, that's not a one moment thing, right? It's, it's a lifetime journey, so. Ah, oh, well, gosh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for bringing these amazing products and letting me be part of it and going to your store and just being so well received. And my, and my daughter and I are like, can't wait to go back and check it out. I want to get my husband's aura done. 
we want to get her husband's aura done. It would be really interesting because you don't you don't know what you're going to get. You may think you're one way, but when you sit down and Jim starts going over your report with you, I mean, spot on. My daughter's like, no way, no way. How do you know that? It's it's crazy, and it you want to say it's woo woo, and yes, it is, but it's really not. It's it's very analytical as well, and you know, based in science, which is kind of cool for the naysayers that are out there and that you cannot beat these scents and you know when you have this on you it's working for you and it's giving you that that boost you even have one i think that's called boost right yeah they all have boost name you know it's either a room boost or a chakra boost <laughs> i mean it's amazing so i thank you so much for converting yourself into doing this to help people like me and my family and for me to share it with everybody i'm just honored thank you. to have met you and shared time with you and i thank you so much for being on the yeah podcast. thank you so much I, I appreciate it and and i'm gonna i have always have an ask and i want to ask you what your ask is but my ask is we're definitely looking for a way to grow this and bring it to more places so if you think that you know a community where a store like the one we have in Asheville would do well and it's interesting yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to do that in a balanced way. And so what that would look like in terms of partnering with other people who would be interested in this kind of work, reach out to me because I'm looking to sort of start to think about that. And then what can I do for you and your community? Oh, I love it. Yeah. So, well, you just did for me and my community. And I know where you should set up, set up shop next. And I will talk to you about that because that'd be great for me to just trot on down there and get whatever I need and bring friends there to do it. It can turn a whole day. You could turn a whole day into it, you know, or at least a few hours. Like, you know, a spa or store where I could come and do a day of aura readings in your community. We might be looking to do something like that at the beginning of next year and do a little traveling aura readings. And so, yeah, reach out if you think that that's something that you would want to partner with us on, because we'd love to be able to bring this to other people, because otherwise you have to come and see us in Asheville, which is not terrible, right? Asheville's great. Not terrible. Yeah, it was fun. We want to we wanna try to find you where you are. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Laura. I really appreciate it. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, Go ahead and breathe in your second wind.